It's great to see you this weekend. It's great to have you this weekend. And uh, if you take your Bible and turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 17, I'm going to look at several chapters and passages of Scripture in 1 Samuel chapter 17 today. And we're in this series on relationships. And so I want to talk to you today about relationships. And and, and this is more applicable to friendships. Uh, But it could be be something that is... uh, uh, that would begin a, a friendship before a courting relationship before you get engaged and you marry the love of your life. But, but probably this is going to be more focused on really on, on, on a friendship, a relationship. It's uh, you, you, a best friend, uh, how, how relationships work and, and, and the value of that. And so I'm going to look at the, at the relationship. When, if, you, if you Google uh, relationships in the Bible, friendships in the Bible, uh, the, the friendship, the relationship between Jonathan and David is probably the most famous of all friendships in Scripture. And so we're, we're going to kind of look at that in this, uh, in this second part of this series. I hope you'll be back next weekend where I'm going to talk about what does it mean to have this solid relationship. There are four stages I'm going to cover today that are common to relationships, and we see it happening in the friendship between Jonathan and David. Next week I'm going to talk about that kind of BFF stage. How do you have a relationship that is that awesome, that that friend that sticks closer than a brother kind of a deal. And, and so, uh, because we all need it. You know, it, it's interesting uh, that God addresses man's aloneness before he ever addresses his sin issues. If you read it in the book of Genesis, before God ever addresses the sin of humanity, he addresses the fact that man is alone and it's not good. We were never designed to do life alone. We're, we're, we're not designed to work alone. We're not designed to live alone. We're not designed to be alone. Now, for those of you that are introverts, you're like going, okay, I need just a little bit of time here. You know, like I, need a, you know I just need a little bit of room, a little bit of space. And, and I get that. But, but I'm talking about day in and day out, week in and week out, doing life. We were designed to do life together. And, but in this world in which we live in that is so socially connected, we really have, it seems like, fewer and fewer and fewer really deep relationships. And it's important where those relationships come from. And so um, when people come to church, you know, one thing that, that I talk to other pastors about, especially guys that are planting churches, starting churches, beginning to pastor, is to say this, hey, if you want to get people connected to the church that you're at, it's not going to be your great preaching, sorry. It's not going to be your great programs, your great worship, sorry. It's not going to be phenomenal buildings or great marketing campaigns or an awesome website. Or it's not going to be your social media. Those things may attract people, but the thing that retains people is relationships. If people have a job, a place to serve, and they have a, play, they, they have a friend, if, a relationship, they have people that are there that are counting on them. When those things are coming together... Those two things come together. People find a home in a church. That's that, it's that it factor that a local church has. It's that fellowship. It's that, it's that connectivity that's there. So that's part of why I'm talking about it today because I think not only in our lives is this important, but I think in the local church and as we're doing life and doing this together, we need to be mindful of the relationships that we have. We need to be mindful of where those relationships are coming from. We need to be mindful of whom we are really connecting with. And so, again, uh, uh, it's, uh, it's, just, um, it's just something to think about. So I want to process. If we had time today and we were doing a lecture, which we're not, because I only have 24 minutes and 27 seconds left. There's a big, big clock up here. Um, what I would do is I would ask you to take about five minutes and just list out some of the relationships in your life that are non-family members. 
As we're going through today's message, one thing I would encourage you to do, because your mind will wonder, it just naturally does that, uh, make that productive and think about that question, who would be at this level of relationship? Who am I in relationship with that would be at this level? I'm gonna talk about four levels of relationship. Who would be at this level and maybe why? And begin to think about that. You'll notice that this first level that we're gonna talk about is something there's a lot of people in that, in that, that swath. But it goes from being really wide to getting very narrow. And that's not that you're doing anything wrong. That's just, that's pretty typical. That's just kind of how it works. And so, again, Jonathan and David, uh, Scripture kind of shows this progress and this process of, of relationship. And so I, I want to look at this. So, so the first stage that relationships commonly go through, first of all, is a surface relationship. And I'm going to kind of walk through these passages of 1 Samuel chapter 17. Matter of fact, I'm going to be there in just a minute. But the first is a surface relationship. This is where there's no commitment. Um, this is a recognition of each other. You may know a name, you know, may know a face. It may be a clerk in a store. It may be a waiter or a waitress at a, at a diner that you go to. Maybe someone that you meet at the gym. It may just be more of an acquaintance. And everybody begins here. Every great friendship that you have, it begins here. I'll never forget my best friend growing up. I met him the first day we went to Cliff Terrace Assembly of God Church in Fort Smith, Arkansas. Sister Caton, Miss Caton was the teacher in the class and her classroom was the third door on the left down the hallway from the fellowship hall. And he and a guy named Craig were sitting on a table that wasn't setting up. It was actually on the floor. That's why it kind of caught me off guard. Craig Henson, Darren Huckey, and we connected that very first day I was in the first grade. Never, ever, ever forgotten it. From that point, all the way through high school, even into college, we were roommates. We, 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 were, we were connected. We, we were best friends. We, but that relationship began there with, hi, my name is Aaron. It's my first Sunday, and you are. And we just connected from that point. But relationships start with that level of a surface relationship. So David and Jonathan, as we're walking through their life, their relationship will begin to introduce to each other very indirectly. It's actually in the Valley of Eli, and it's the slaying of Goliath when, when the nation of Israel is on one side of the valley and the, and the, and the nation of, of the Philistines were on the other side, and Goliath was coming down every day, and he was making all kinds of threats against Israel and basically said, if you'll send a fighter down to fight me, whoever, whoever wins that, that fight, will, the other nation will be slave to the other nation and the, the loser will be slave to the winner. And so David in, in chapter 17, verse 26, it starts here. David asked the men standing near him, he's listening to what's going on. What will be done for the man who kills the Philistine or removes the disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Verse 25 if you back up just a minute, it, it tells you what will be done. Because David asked that question three times. Look at verse 25, the preceding verse. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will marry uh, his daughter and will be exempt from his family and taxes in Israel. Now, David asked this question three times. This is what I love about this story. It's not just that David's so righteously indignant about Goliath doing what he's doing. There, no risk, no reward. So, so David basically kind of goes to another guy and says, hey, let me get this right. Whoever kills that guy right there, that Philistine who's yelling right now, whoever kills him will be independently wealthy, marry the king's daughter, and she's smoking hot. Read it. Read it. It's there in scripture. I'm just... Doesn't say smoking, but it's pretty, pretty, pretty much. Inverse. She's beautiful. The Bible says, and then, and then, and then uh, he'll he'll be tax free for the rest of his life. 
Yep, he goes to another person before he ever goes into the battlefield. So tell me one more time, what's gonna be done to the guy that slays this? It's like, hey, hey, who, what, what, what's the deal here? This is a great movie, this is a great setup. So then when that happens, look at verse 32, then David said to Saul, that the king, let no one lose heart on the account of this Philistine for your servant will go and fight for him. I bet you will. Because he wants to marry the king's daughter. He wants to be independently wealthy and he wants to, um, he's gonna be tax free for the rest of his life. Who wouldn't want that? Verse 50, so David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone without a sword in his hand and he struck down the Philistine and killed him. It says nothing about Jonathan, but that day David becomes part of the household of Saul. And he will marry Saul's daughter, Michael, who the Bible says is beautiful, AKA smoking hot. And he will become brother-in-laws and connected at that point further with Jonathan. It never gives us the exact moment where David and Jonathan meet. We know that they have met and out of that develops this relationship. But it's at this point, this juncture in life, this particular place where David, he's not trying to be at the right place at the right time. He's literally been sent to go bring supplies to his brothers who are on the front lines. David is not a warrior. He's not a fighter. Uh, he, he's but in his mid late teens at this point in time. He, he's a shepherd and his brothers are actually trying to send him back. But when David hears what's going on, David sees what's happening. The spirit of God is upon him and again, and it's all part of the providential hand of God on his life. That opens up the door. And that day, David becomes connected to the house of Saul, which is the first king of Israel, which is the father of Jonathan, who will become his best friend. You never know. You never know when you start a new job, you start a new school, you, you move into a new neighborhood. You, you, you don't know. I love it how Proverbs says, don't boast of tomorrow because you know not what today will bring forth. You never know when you're gonna meet someone, you're gonna get connected with someone, that your heart and their heart are gonna be connected, that they're gonna, you're, they're gonna become your best friend. You, you don't know, maybe it's your first weekend at Life Church and you're kind of checking church out and seeing if you and your family really wanna attend here. Or maybe you're a single adult and you're, you're just trying to figure out this is where you're supposed to be. You don't know if, but you will connect with someone today, this week or in a life group within this season of your life that all of a sudden your hearts will become connected and God will use that to do great things in your life. You don't know, but it all begins here. A hello, a smile can always turn into something. That's the reason why it's so important with the people that you meet, the acquaintances, you know, who are the people in your neighborhood, right? In your neighborhood. The people that you meet each day, who are the people that you smile? We're gonna count, we're gonna practice this, all right? Because I know everybody doesn't have this gift, but I think some of you do. But it's just on the count of three, we're just gonna look at our neighbor and smile. And if your neighbor, if you got someone that you know next to you, don't look at that person. If there's someone that you don't know across the aisle or whatever, so you look at that person, okay? One, two, three, just smile. Some of you are looking at me. You know me. Don't look at me. That's painless. Do you know how disarming it is when someone smiles at you? Do you know how? But, but I don't know that person. Yeah, right. And you're never going to get to know them unless you smile and say, hi, how are you? How, how just kind it is just to, because you never know when the person you're going to bump into at the gym or the person you're, you're going to meet at Culver's or, or, or the person that, that you've just been grouped with at your, at your marketplace, at your workplace. You, you, you never know where that relationship's gonna develop. Second level of relationship goes to a structured relationship, becomes structured. This becomes based upon common interests, upon routine of time and place, schoolwork, parents, kids' activities, coworkers, neighbors. It, it really begins to develop. It moves from an introduction, which is, the, which is that first stage, to more of an, an intentional relationship. 
Now, after Goliath, there's this introduction and Jonathan and David move from this family acquaintance to a relational connection. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 18, starting in verse 1. 1 Samuel chapter 18, starting in verse 1. And after David had finished talking to Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, for he loved him as he loved himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. And Jonathan took off his robe he was wearing and gave it to David along with his tunic and even his sword and his bow and his belt. This was a, a sign in this particular day and time of, of, of I'm giving you something. I'm, I am, I'm, I am, I'm giving you a gift. I'm giving you something from me. That means we're connected. We're, we're together that you can count on me that we're, we're in this together. What happens at this point in the relationship between David and Jonathan at this point, there's not the Bible doesn't give us much indication of David's response to Jonathan. We, we know it would have been reciprocal. We know it would have been mutual. It's inferred, but it's not stated at this particular point in time. But for Jonathan, it was like, this has been the brother I've been wanting. This has been the kindred spirit that I, this is the guy I want to go into battle with. This is the guy that I want to go. So, because Jonathan and David were, grew up completely different. David grew up uh, as a shepherd uh, in Bethlehem, which was not a great place. It was just an average everyday kind of anywhere town. And, and he was the runt of the litter. He was the youngest. Some theologians would even say he was an illegitimate child. He was a bastard child. And that that was part of the reason why his dad never brought him before uh, Samuel uh, to be anointed king of Israel, because he was almost looked down upon. Jonathan would have been raised in the king's house. Jonathan would have been raised in, in Jerusalem, in the epicenter of where power was in that day and time in, in the nation of Israel with, with all of the education and with everything. See, shepherds were not highly educated individuals. Most of the time they couldn't read or write. Jonathan would have been schooled and educated. He had been refined. He would have been but what was happening is but the same spirit, that warrior spirit, that, that passionate spirit was there. The Bible gives an account of one time when Jonathan is going and he has an armor bearer with him and they have one sword between the two of them. There's a dozen plus Philistine warriors and they're going to check out. They're just spying out to bring reports back to Israel in order to go in and invade this area of Philistine territory. And so Jonathan looks at his armor bearer and says, perhaps God will show up on this day. Basically, we're, we're going to pull a full can out and we're going to hopefully God shows up. I don't know if you've ever done that before, but you're like, hopefully God's in this and let's just do this, you know. Famous last words of any redneck. Hey, watch this. And that's exactly what they do. And the Bible says with one sword between Jonathan and his armor bearer, they destroyed this dozen plus Philistine uh, warriors. And go back to camp and said, yeah, they're there. The encampment's there. And by the way, we're going to be victorious because we, just between the two of us and one sword, took out 12 plus of them. David's very much that way. We'll read on about David and his life and David and the mighty men. And, and David was a warrior. And David, David, Saul will take David and make him go through all of these exploits in order to win his daughter's heart. And, and, and even though he's already done it with, with Goliath, he, he has to prove himself even more and more and more. So there's the same heart. They come from two different places, but it's the same heart. It's the same. It's, it's God bringing that together. But they began to run into this structure where now because David's in the palace and David's no longer in the fields and David's no longer in Bethlehem, he's in Jerusalem. They're together. They're now in this relationship as brother-in-laws working in the same house under the house of Saul. They're going to be together. 
This is what's so powerful about grouping together, about when, when, when you come together and you begin to learn one another and, and develop relationships with one another. And, and this is one of the reasons why we do life groups, to be really honest with you, is, uh, is, that, is that relationship is what breeds discipleship. Information doesn't breed discipleship. Information is never transformational in your life. But when you have people that are, you're doing life with and you're both going through this together and you're walking this out together and, and, and you're, you're, you're praying for one another and you're walking through trials and you're just doing life together and you're laughing together and you're talking together, this is what Jesus did with the disciples. There's no planned program for three years that he's on the planet in his public ministry. There, there's no courses that they're taking. There's no Torah that they're having to recite every day. There's no, there's no regiment that they're having to go through like they would have done in rabbinical school. It, it's life on life. It's just doing life together. It's, this is what we're going through. And then Jesus was taking the seasons that they were living in and giving them, uh, using, the, using his object lessons. He, he, was, he, was, he was seeing God do great miracle signs and wonders through his ministry and then connecting the dots for the disciples constantly, constantly. They were around him. They were in proximity. They were listening. They were observing. And then he would break Break, a, break away and, and, and download and say, this is what's going on. Let me show you what's happening. Let me connect to you. Let me connect the dots because that's how life happens. Transformation, spiritual transformation happens in circles, not in rows. And so in, at Life Church, we, we really promote life groups. And I would encourage you, if you're not in a life group, get in a life group. Literally on the red card, the next step card, you can check a box, say, I want more information about life groups, and we'll follow up with you with an email and get you connected to a group that you want to be in. And you may go, well, I don't know. Well, you're never going to know until you show up, until you go, until you, it's a little bit, I, I get it. Like I'm an extrovert and my wife is an introvert. And so I could go to every life group. I could, I can show up, especially if you've got food, I will be there like all the time and twice on Sunday. Right. And, um, but, but my wife is more like, no, 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 no. I don't know these people. I don't know what's going on. I don't, I'm a little bit more hesitant. I'm like, ah, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. It doesn't matter what, no, no. I get it. Everybody's different. But when you begin to get into groups, you begin to do this, then life change happens. I want to talk to the men just for a minute. Something that I'm doing this year that I'm really taking on is uh, getting, really trying to connect as the lead pastor with the men in the church. And, um, and really taking kind of a more of an intentional leadership role in that particular area of ministry. So if you're a man, I want to talk to you just for a minute. Matter of fact, I, I think this is so important that we have other men that we're doing life together. There are guys in my life that can call me on my stuff. There are guys in my life that I can say, hey man, I'm hurting. There are guys in my life that I can just be completely, brutally honest with. That didn't happen overnight. That didn't happen quickly. That didn't happen easily. I, I, as much of an, of an extrovert that I am, I'm also extremely private because a lot of my life is very public. And it amazes me how I'll be in restaurants and, and I'm eating. And at the end, uh, a waiter or waitress will say, it's so great to, uh, to wait on you today, Pastor Cole. I'll see you at Life Church on Sunday. And I'm going, I had no idea that they were attending Life Church. I felt bad. I felt whatever. Uh, I'm, you know, my girls have gotten used to it kind of growing up and that kind of a deal where like we're out and about. And, and we were, you know, we were at a, at a basketball game, at a Bucks game, and there was someone sitting next to me. And, and halfway through the game, I'm with my 18-year-old my daughter. I have two daughters. Anna, she works with me. And then I've got, she's 22 and then, and Ava's 18 and Ava's with me. And so this lady halfway through goes, you're the pastor at Life Church. And she knew more about me than I knew about her. And it was like, and Ava's like, okay, here we go again. We can't go anywhere. Everybody kind of, you know, it's that kind of a deal. So because of that, 
I really love privacy. I, I love this family time and that kind of a deal. But the reality is, is that I know that I'm just a guy like everybody else. And if I'm not careful, I, I will, I, it's not good that I'm alone. It's not good that I'm out there. And so, so I have a, a board of, of elders. The, these, are, these are men that, that I trust and that, I, that they have a, have, have a certain, um, how do you say this? Uh, there's a certain part of me that's just it, very transparent and that this is what's going on, that I'm, I'm submitted under their leadership. I, I've got some friendships and relationships and groups with guys that I'm in that I'm just deeply connected with in that way. And, and my concern is a lot of times as men, we, we're the worst. Ladies, you do this awesome. Ladies, you've already checked out on me. You're writing your grocery list right now. You're going, I hope my husband hears this. Amen. So men, I, I, there's a number that's going to come up on the screen. It's 555-888, 555-888. If you text that number, we're going to get you connected to a group. Now, I'm just going to triple dog dare you to do it. 555-888. Ladies, write that number down because they're not going to do it. So you write it down for them and tell them this is what they need to do. 555 888. And so this is for the, the, the uh, this is the men of life church. Cause here's what I want to do. I want to get connected with you. I want you to get connected with other men. And I want to make sure that we're strong together, that we are, we're intentional about relationships. That's what this is about. That we're intentional about relationships. It goes beyond an introduction. It goes beyond saying, Hey, how are you? It goes beyond saying, I'm going to show up and I'm just going to kind of serve somewhere. It's I'm going to be intentional about getting into a relationship. I'm going to allow God to open those doors. I'm going to allow God to knit my heart with other other, other men that, that, that are men of God, but it's that relationship. It's that intentionality behind that. And I hope that you'll do that because here's what needs to happen. Men, I really think that we need to continue to lead in this area, step forward in this area. We've got some things planned for you throughout the course of this year, but this is that, that initial step, especially if you're not involved in a life group or connected in men's ministry in any shape or fashion, we want to do that. I want to get connected with you. 555-888. All right. Next is secure relationships. It goes to that third level of secure relationships. So surface or structured relationship begins to grow, trust begins to develop. Uh, you begin to spend time together. This is where friendship really emerges and, and there becomes a security where you can begin to kind of express yourself. And, and security emerges from this introduction level to this intentional level now to this secure level. First Samuel chapter 19, Look at verse one. And Saul told his son, Jonathan, all and all the attendants to kill David. But Jonathan had taken a great liking to David. So Saul knew David was going to be the next king of Israel. Saul is jealous of David. So Saul begins to plot against David's life. But Jonathan, Saul's son, David's brother-in-law, I know, think about how jacked up that is, uh, is, uh, is like there is a friendship that's here. There's this secure relationship that's beginning to develop. Verse two. And he warned him, my father Saul is looking for a chance to kill you. So be on your guard tomorrow, go into hiding and stay there. And I will go out and stand with my father in the field where you are. And I will speak to him about you and will tell you what I find out. Verse four, and Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, let not the king do wrong to his servant David, for he has wronged you. And what he has done has benefited you greatly. And he took his life into his hands when he killed the Philistine. And the Lord won a great victory for all of Israel. And you saw it and were, and were glad. And then and why would you do wrong to an innocent man like David by killing him for no reason? And Saul listened to Jonathan and took this oath. As surely as the Lord lives, David will not be put to death. This relationship here is begins to come because they have met each other and they've been in a structured environment together where there's been intentionality behind that. And then they begin to develop trust. 
They began to develop this, I can trust you. I can do this. This is probably, in my opinion, the scariest phase of any stage of any relationship that you go through. Can I really trust you? Can I really trust that you're going to have my back? Can I really trust, in this situation, it's life or death. Can I really trust that you're going to have my best interest? Do you have people in your life that you trust like that? Most people don't. That's what's scary. Oh, we have a lot, of, a lot of acquaintances. I know a lot of people. I know a lot of people internationally because of missions and where I, I went to college. I, I know a lot of people nationally. Um, you know, again, it's funny because it's like we'll be someplace and, and, and my girls will joke, well, dad knows somebody everywhere. And it's somebody will walk up in line, we'll be somewhere in Florida on a vacation. Hey, Aaron, how are you? Here we go. There's the next 30 minutes of my life, I'm not getting back, kind of a deal. Um, I, I have good rapport in, with, with a lot of people, and they with me. But, but, but who do you know that you would trust them with your bank account? You would trust them with your family. You would trust them if you were to pass away, you would tell your spouse, this is someone you need to talk to. They're, they're going to give you some good advice on how to handle this. Who is that? Do you have any? That, that's what this is about. This is where it goes to this friendship. This goes beyond just an introduction. This goes beyond it's intentional. I like you. We hang out. We have common interests. This goes into man. This begins to become this band of brotherhood. And I would ask that question, who is that person in your life? Who are those people in your life? The fourth stage, and I'm going to spend a lot of time on this next week, so I will just lightly hit that today, is solid relationship. A solid relationship. Few relationships get to this level. We're going to talk more about this next week, but the essence of a secure relationship is built upon friendship and trust and time, a long-term relationship characterized by mutual desire to, to serve one another. It's, it's a spouse. It's a best friend. It's your inner circle. It's David and Jonathan's friendship becomes legendary in their love and their sacrifice for each other. Verse chapter 20, 1 Samuel chapter 20, look at verse 16 and 17. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David. Not just with David, but the house of David means David and all of his descendants. Saying, may the Lord call David's enemies to account. And Jonathan had David reaffirm his oath out of love for him because he loved him as he loved himself. In verse 20, excuse me, verse 41 and 42 gives us the last time that David and, and, and Jonathan are together. Because Jonathan told David, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to go, and, and if my dad's going to take your life, I'm going to go into this field, and I'm going to shoot these arrows. And, and if they go past you, then it's going to mean that, that sure, it's, it's, it's sudden death. My dad's looking to kill you. The king is going to kill you, so run for your life. And, and if it doesn't, then it means that you're safe and secure, and you can come back. So the arrows, he shoots the arrows. They go past. He sends uh, the, a young boy to go collect them. And they have this conversation in verse 41. After the boy had gone, David got up from the south side of the stone and bowed before Jonathan three times with his face to the ground. And they kissed and they wept together. David wept the most. And notice the narrative tells us 
that the relationship began with Jonathan being connected with David's heart, even before the Bible tells us that David was connected with Jonathan's heart. But through time, through intentionality, through relationship, through hardship, through crisis, David's heart is just as knitted to Jonathan as Jonathan is to him, and even the more. Jonathan said to David, go in peace, for we have sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord, saying that the Lord is a witness between you and me, between your descendants and my descendants forever. Then David left, and Jonathan went back to town. David left and ran for his life, and Jonathan went back to the, to the palace. We need each other. I mean, you need me and I need you. We, we need relationships, and we need relationships at all levels. We need relationships that are acquaintances. We need relationships that are structured. We need relationships that are intentional. We need these relationships that are solid. God never intended for you and I to be alone. And again, I would go back to God addresses our aloneness before he ever addresses our sin. Even in the book of James, it says that when we confess our sins to one another, that healing begins. Not, not forgiveness. Forgiveness only comes to you forget when you confess your sins to Jesus. But when you confess your sins to one another, healing begins. Why is that? Because the enemy of your soul wants you to be alone and wants you to stay in loneliness and stay alone and, 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 and lie to you and tell you that no one will understand, no one will get it. You can't tell anyone, you can't trust anyone, you, you can't do any of that. But the truth of the matter is, is that when you have a relationship like a Jonathan-David relationship, when you have someone that sticks with you closer than a brother, then in those times you're able to go, hey, I'm struggling with this. Hey, this is what's going on. Hey man, would you pray for me right now? Hey man, I'm, I'm, I'm really battling this. Hey, I'm, I'm, really, I'm really tempted in this. Hey, I'm really, this is what's going on. We'll talk about this next week, but woe to the man who falls and no one hears him when it falls. Most of the time when people find themselves in sin and in moral failure, it's not because they're terrible, horrible people. It's because they have, they have kind of moted their life off and they've kind of drawn up all the bridges and they pushed everybody else away and they're completely alone. And they've allowed no one into their life to speak into their life and to call them out on their stuff. And at the same time, they've got no one there that which they can lean on to go, man, I'm really struggling. Would you pray with me right now? Hey, man, I'm really going something. Will you pray with me right now? Hey, man, I don't know what to do. Would you help me? I, I, don't, know, I don't know what to do in my marriage or I don't know what to do with my kids or I, I don't know what to do in, in, at this job. I, I don't know. Can I get some advice? Can I get some help? Talk to me. And we need relationships. We need people that are older than us that can speak into our lives. We need people that are our age, that are very collegial, that as iron sharpens iron, so as one man sharpens another. We, we, need, we need people that are younger than us, that we can, again, be a mentor to them the way someone's mentoring us. We need to be that river and not a reservoir where, where knowledge is flowing through us to help other people. But we need each other because these relationships don't last forever. They're in seasons. Jonathan... We'll never see David again. Jonathan will lose his life in the conflict between, David's, between David and Jonathan's father, Saul. David will carry out his commitment to the house of Jonathan, to the house of Saul. But their relationship ends right here. 
But scripture shows that it's one of the greatest friendships ever recorded. Because again, it's not about the amount of time. It may be but for a season. And as I was working on this message this week, one of the things that I was trying to think of is, man, I need a killer illustration story at the end that would just wrap everything up. And I just couldn't find one. I found one that was amazing, but I found out later doing a little bit more research, it was kind of a hoax. It was kind of, it wasn't really true. And it's a great story though. It would have been a great tearjerker, uh, but it, it was made up. And uh, so, but something that my mind kept going back to is the first year that I became the pastor here about 18 years ago, I was really struggling, feeling very alone, Church was very small. We were facing a big uphill battle. I'd moved from Oklahoma to here, didn't know anyone. And uh, one morning, I, uh, in a devotional time, I was just really honest with God and just said, God, I just don't, I don't, I, I, I'm doing all I know to do. And I'm just, I'm here, I feel like so by myself. And I don't know how to navigate some of this. I don't know how to tack my way to get to where I feel like you're asking us to go. And I feel so in over my head. That morning, the passage that I was reading was in Proverbs. And, and the proverb that day that stuck out to me, I, I marked it. I even went back in my journal. It was, don't boast for tomorrow for you know not what today will bring forth. And it just was really there. And I was like, okay, I don't know what that means, but okay. Later that day, my path through an acquaintance would connect with the individual. And it was just one of those God moments that you can't orchestrate, you can't make happen. I've tried to make things happen in my life and every time I try to make it happen, it blows up in my face. It's just, but when I let God work it out, it just has this way of, and this just came so natural. And over the last 18 years, 17 plus years, this relationship has been one of those relationships that this individual just kind of older than me by about 10, 12 years, they opened their life to me and said, here, let me, let me help you. I see God's hand on your life. I, I see God wanting to do something in your life. I, 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 I see this and, 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 and this individual came and they've preached on this platform. They helped us raise money when we were very first trying to raise money for a building and navigated me through some things. When I'm raising two daughters, he had three, and there were times I'd say, man, I, I just need to know what, you know, any thoughts, any advice, any, anything. There was one particular time that I was really struggling with something as a dad, and, and he happened to be coming through town, and we had lunch, and I just sat and cried and just poured my heart out in a way that I, I can't do here. You don't want me to come here every week and just, you know, here's my problem. And, and he was just like an older brother, just said, let me help you. This is, let me show you, let me. And in many ways, I am where I am today because of that relationship that God brought into my life. And in October, that person passed away, radically unexpected, could not believe I was in a restaurant in a different state, in a meeting, and kept getting these texts and these phone calls going, what's going on? So finally I walk out to find out that he was taken to the hospital and he died. I still don't understand why he's gone, I don't know. But here's what I know. 
These 17 and a half years have been years that God has used him to invest in me in a way that I thank God for that moment that day when I didn't boast about tomorrow. I wasn't looking to tomorrow because that was the day that God brought someone into my life that was going to go beyond just an initial relationship and an introduction to an intentional to become a solid relationship in my life that will only eternity will reveal what it produces. I just want to encourage you today. God knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly what you need. And if you need that kind of relationship, just ask him. If those people in your life, be grateful and thankful for them and and tell them this week, send them a card, send them a, a text, send them an email, just say, hey, thank you for being there in my life. But none of us are designed to do this alone. God designed us for relationship. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for your word. I thank you today, Lord, for God illustrations in scripture that show us that you bring people into our lives in critical points, in critical times to grow us and to develop us and we them. You bring us into people's lives in critical places at critical times to develop and to bless them. So I pray first of all, Lord, help us to be that person for someone else. And secondly, I pray that we in turn would be that for someone else. Open our eyes to see, open our ears to hear, open our hearts to receive the people, the relationships that you bring through our paths. Be they acquaintances, a hi, hello, meeting someone at the gym or seeing them at our office or at school or a new neighbor in the neighborhood. Maybe it's more of a structured environment where we're coworkers or we're grouped together. And then a relationship, a friendship begins to form and a secure relationship begins to emerge. God, thank you for the solid relationships that we have in our life, the people that we can lean on, the people that we can trust, the people that we can just be us around. Help us today not to take lightly these relationships, but to understand they are blessings from you. In Jesus' name, amen.